we started this series in week one talking about it's, it's, it's not God's plan for my life. Maybe it is, but really God's plan for your life is your life in God's plan. And the second week we talked about the map, right? There's a map for this journey, the word of God that God has given us, a map to navigate through life and to, to, to discover what his, what his standards are, to discover who he is. We find that in the scriptures. And last week we talked about the call and how to recognize your call. And some of you are like, am I called? The answer is yes, but what are you called to? And we talked about that last week. You can go back and and catch that on, on the website, the, the, the app, the podcast, however you want to access that information, our YouTube channel. And so one of the verses that we've been focusing on during this series is Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. And it says this, we are God's workmanship. That word in the Greek is we are God's poetic masterpiece. <laughs> you, listen, when you wake up every day and you look in that mirror, you can just look in that mirror and you might not like what you see, but you can just say, you know what? You are God's poetic masterpiece. Did you know that? That's not just so you can feel good about yourself. It's for you to remind yourself that you are useful in God's hands, that you're his handiwork, that you're the one that he created, created in Christ to do good works. You're not, just, you're not just here on the planet to take up space for, you know, maybe 95 years if you do good, maybe a little longer. Come on. I'm believing for a little longer than that. And uh, God has created you for something specific. Listen, what God has created for you is so specific. Say this, I'm specific. You are specific for a specific person. Listen, you've never done this before. You've never done this before. I would suggest this, it's never been done before what you're called to do. Your destiny is so specific that even though it may look similar to something someone else has done, it's tailor-made for you. God made you to do what you were called to do. I can't do what you're called to do. Only you can do what you're called to do. And if you don't do what you're called to do, it won't get done because only you can do it. So God made you to do what you're called to do, and the details of that are so unique. They're so unique. You're, and this is why it's so important that you are in tune with the Holy Spirit, that you're in tune with the Word of God, that you can carry out this specific plan. Listen, your adventure, this journey, is to uncharted waters. It's never been done before. Get this, beloved. It's never been done before what God has called you to do. It's never been done. It may be similar to what someone else has done, but it's never been done. God broke the mold with you. You're the only one that has your exact DNA. You're the only one. And it's critical. The kingdom of God needs you to do what God called you to do. I need you to do what God has called you to do. God wants you to do what he has called you to do. And in order for his plan to be carried out, it's critical. It's an, it, it's an essential so if we're on this journey that's uncharted, wouldn't it be nice to have a guide? <laughs> Someone to come alongside of us and show us the way. Wouldn't, wouldn't that be nice? How many of you ever felt alone, like you're in uncharted waters and you're just lost? Right? Come on, I felt that way. Wouldn't it be nice if you had a guide to come alongside of you, to go along with you, to point to the right places, to be there beside you, right? To tell you when something's coming, to help you navigate something that you're in. 
Wouldn't it be nice if you had a tour guide, a guide in this adventure? Well, good news. Jesus promised us a guide, and that guide is the Holy Spirit. John chapter 16, verse 13, when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth, not just a little bit of it, all of it. How much truth? All of it. There used to be, y'all remember that all, y'all know all like uh, all that you wash your clothes with? They used to have a commercial back when I was a kid. A-L-L, all. I was like, man, that, like that's the best you can come up with. But all, A-L-L, all truth. I don't know why I'm thinking about that right now. I'm so ADDDDD. He will not speak of his own. He will speak only what he hears. And he will tell you what is yet to come. So there is the Holy Spirit who is inside of you and alongside of you who can warn you of what's to come. I didn't see that coming. Listen, if, if we all get blindsided. Let's just be real. But I believe that God wants us to live at such a connection with the Holy Spirit that we see things coming. Because it says right here, here, he will tell you what is to come. He will bring glory to me. He's not going to, listen, the Holy Spirit's not going to bring glory to you. If it brings glory to you, it's not the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will only bring glory to Jesus. There's a lot of people that want a lot of glory right now in this, this, this time, in this era. And obsessed with self. Listen, he says this, he'll bring glory to Jesus. Listen, your life is all about bringing glory to Jesus. Bring glory to me by taking from what is mine and making it known to you. So if it's his glory he's after to be displayed, then it's on him to display it. Come on. So the Holy Spirit is our God. How does he do that? Listen, I've got a lot of content today, so we're gonna, I'm going to do my best to stick to the notes. The first way that the Holy Spirit guides you is, he, is through activating the word. Everybody say activating the word. How many of you know a pretty decent deal of the Bible? Right? Okay, good. How many of you maybe have an education, some sort of education in the scriptures? Right? You, you studied the scriptures. Maybe you've, you've been educated. Maybe it was Sunday school. Maybe it's your parents. You have some educations in the, in the scripture. That's awesome. And the word of God has been a theme throughout this series. And it's important to remember that, that the map don't lie. The map is absolutely true. But what the Holy Spirit does is he activates that word. He brings, he brings that map to life. See, the scriptures alone, and this is where a lot of people mess up. They think the reading their Bible alone, having good theology alone, will give you life. That's not good theology. The scriptures alone do not give you life. Whoa, pastor, careful. I didn't say it. Jesus said it right here. John chapter 5, verse 37. And the Father who has sent me has testified about me himself. You have never heard his voice or seen him face to face. And you do not have his message in your hearts because you do not believe me, the one he has sent. See, he had all these religious people that, had, that knew a whole lot of the Bible. They knew a lot. They knew way more scripture than you and I have. Way more. But he said this, you don't believe me, the one he sent. 
You search the scriptures because you think they have, they give you eternal life, but the scriptures point to me. Did you know that your Bible should always point to Jesus? Everything, the whole scripture, the, all that we have in scripture is to point to the man, Jesus. I thought it was to point to God. Yes, Jesus, God in the flesh. But the scriptures point to me. Yet you refuse to come to me to receive this life. I met a lot of people that know a lot of Bible that don't know Jesus. They haven't encountered the man. See, the word minus the spirit equals information. It's great. It's good information. It's good education. You need to have that. That is a great map for you to have. But the map don't give life. Now, now understand this. The Holy Spirit will never contradict the scriptures. Never. Now, you may be misinformed. You may misinterpret, but the Holy Spirit won't do that. So if you come to me and you say, the Holy Spirit is leading me into this extramarital relationship, that ain't the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, my, my girlfriend and I who are not married, we just feel the Holy Spirit when we're making love. That ain't the Holy Spirit. That's the unholy spirit. Come on. I, I just hear people all, say all kinds. There's all these like, these, th this trend on social media. It's like God says, and I'm like, when? When does God say that? And there might be things that God's highlighting to you, but, but listen, there, there may be things that God's highlighting to you that's not for everyone. You be careful with that. You be careful with the God says. We, we, we can take the Lord's name real quick in, in attributing something that he said that he didn't say. And I don't, I don't want to be guilty of using the Lord's name in vain that way. So the word minus the spirit equals information. Good information. The information doesn't change. The information is the information. It's the facts. It's the truth. It's the scriptures. Absolutely. But the word plus the spirit equals transformation. And so a lot of people are reading the scriptures to get informed. Don't read the scriptures to be informed. Read the scriptures to be transformed. Be transformed by the renewal of your mind, right? Through the scriptures, but with the spirit, with the guide when you're reading. Listen, when you read the Bible, you're never alone. Read the Bible through the power of the Holy Spirit. And transformation comes from revelation. So, Ephesians 1 says this, that, you, the, that God may give you a spirit of wisdom and a revelation in the knowledge of him. How does that happen? Through the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will reveal Jesus. Listen, you'll be reading the Old Testament and you'll be like, that's Jesus. How do you know the Holy Spirit revealed it to you? How do you think they wrote the scriptures? Through the Holy Spirit. So transformation comes from revelation. So we gotta have that revelation to be transformed. So Jesus says this, the words that I've spoken to you, John 6, 63, he says this, the words that I spoke to you are spirit and they are life. So they're not just informative words. They're transforming words. They're revelatory. Transformation leads to demonstration. So when you've been transformed, then you can demonstrate what the scripture says. Then you can obey the scriptures. Some of you are trying to obey the scriptures with just information. 
You can't obey the scriptures with just information. You need, you need a helper. You need a guide to obey the scriptures. See, the Spirit positions us to experience the Word and empowers us to demonstrate the Word. So God wants you to not just know your Bible. He wants you to experience it through the power of the Holy Spirit. Y'all okay? The Holy Spirit is not only to enhance our, only to enhance our experience, but to maximize our effectiveness. Let me say that again. The Holy Spirit not only enhances our experience. Oh, I just feel the Holy Spirit is so good. Oh, yeah, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit not only enhances your experience, he maximizes our effectiveness. So you want to be effective? You're not going to do it just because you have a few scriptures memorized. You got to have the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. You have to have that God come in saying, this is how you do it. You want to obey the book of Acts? Don't do it just because you read it. You read it. You know it's commissioned, but you realize that I'm dependent upon the Holy Spirit to carry that out. So the first way he leads is through activating that word. The second way he leads is it through subtle leadership. Everybody say subtle leadership. The Holy Spirit will at times yell at you. Most of the time he won't. Most of the time, he'll gently nudge you. Subtle leadership. So Psalm 32, verse 8, the Lord says, I will guide you along the best pathway for your life, your adventure. I will advise you, and I will watch over you. He will advise you, and he's going to protect you. Some of you are operating out of the advising, <laughs> and that's why you haven't been protected you got to listen to the advice of the Lord, the advising of the Lord, and he'll watch over you. Do not be like a senseless horse or mule that needs a bit, a bit and brittle to be kept under control. Jesus, take the wheel. Well, there's a, there's a lot of messed up things there. First of all, he should always have the wheel. But really, he, he doesn't take the wheel. You have the wheel. He's, he's not going to jump in the driver's seat. You're in the driver's seat. But he will sit right next to you. And he will advise you. And he will protect you. And listen, it says, don't be like a senseless. Don't be like, like, a, like a dumb mule. Who's like, I don't know where to go. No, no, no. Don't feel like you have to, the Lord has to force you. He, he will quietly lead and guide you. And that's how he does it, through quietly guiding he just, he speaks to your heart. He puts impressions on your heart. He puts desires in your heart. You say, well, how do I know if it's the Holy Spirit or if, or if it's me? Does it align with the scriptures? Does it align with the nature of Jesus? Isaiah 30, 21 says, you, your own ears will hear him. Right behind you, a voice will say, this is the way you should go whether it be to the left or to the right. You just, the Holy Spirit leadership, to the left, to the right, don't go over there. Don't take that job. I just, I, just, I just know in my spirit that I'm not supposed to take that job. I just know in my spirit, this is the one. And listen, you will get that, nut, that gentle leading wrong a lot. I do. But I'm getting better. I'm getting better. There was this uh, years ago, well, yeah, it was a couple of years ago. So I went to Marshall's and I was shopping 
at Marshall's, just kind of ran in, ran out. And uh, no reason, I was just there. And this lady at the counter was like, hey, sugar, hey, sweetie pie, hey, baby, you know, all that kind of stuff, like all these terms of endearment. And my flesh despises terms of endearment. I mean, it just really annoys me when people are like, hey, bro, you know, hey, man, you know, I just, I just don't, I just don't like it, you know, especially when someone's younger than me and they're calling me sugar, right? It's just, it's just weird. When people are older, like I have a lot more grace for it, but when they're like a peer or something, it just, it just annoys, it annoys me. But what it annoys is my flesh. And so I'm, I'm, going through, and she's like giving all these, and she's being super nice, and I'm being nice, you know, probably with a sarcastic smile on my face. Oh, yeah, God, God bless you. You know, I'm trying to be nice. And so I'll walk out, and I'm like annoyed, like really annoyed. You, you know what I'm talking about? Like maybe it's just that day, it just it was extra annoying. And I go, and I sit in my car, and I'm so frustrated, and I sit down, and I'm like, Lord, why does that bother me so much? And he said, because of pride. And I was like, Just because it was gentle didn't mean it didn't hurt a little, right? And he, but he, he gently did that. And, then, and so what, what, what has happened since then, if I, if I walk in obedience to the leading of that moment, what happens is I have a little bit more grace for people that are doing something that irritates me. And I make it about me. And I make it about my carnality. And I make it about the things that annoy me. Come on. And so it gives me grace. Um, Romans eight sixteen says it this way, that he will bear witness with our spirit. It, it, there'll be an awareness. You know, listen, you don't drive sheep. You lead them. And the Holy Spirit leads us through life. He leads us through life decisions. Sometimes, it, sometimes there's a rebuke. That's his leading too. Come on. Don't you rebuke your children harshly if they're going to do something that's damaging them? I hope you do. I hope you're not just like, well, you know, next time when you do it. No, you're hoping there's not a next time. A rebuke from the Lord is gold. But listen, what we've got to understand is the Lord has given us the Holy Spirit as the shepherd of our inner man. Your thoughts the things that you stress out about. You're, you say, what is my inner man? That, that one that you're having conversations with and you lay down at night, and you're con- that's your inner man. The, all the thoughts that you wrestle with all day long or that you, you have self-talk and all this, that is your inner man. The Holy Spirit is the shepherd of your inner man. And so what we need to do is we need to be people that are just surrendered to him and say, Lord, however you're leading me, and there's so much, listen, there's so much peace that comes from that. The problem is, is whenever we get into our preferences and we get into our flesh and we get into our personality, that's when we're annoyed all the time. Yeah. Am I the only one that like struggles with that stuff? Like, like, like every day. But if I, will, if I will just tune into the Holy Ghost who's inside of me, trust his leadership, I'm okay. And so sometimes we just, we just have to think about that. So gently guiding. And the other way he does this, the other way that through his subtle leadership is through reminders and cues. Everybody say reminders and cues. I didn't say clues. He's not giving you clues. He's giving you cues. 
So Jesus says this, John 14, 26, but the counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things, there it is, and remind you of everything I've said. So this is, when you're talking to someone and you're like fellowshipping, right? And you're like, all of a sudden, like scripture's coming up. And you're like, oh, I'm doing pretty good at that. (laughs) Right? Has that ever happened to you? That happens to me often. Like I'm talking to somebody, I'm like, oh yeah, I I remember the word. And I didn't, if you would have asked me 10 minutes ago, just out of the clear blue, I wouldn't have had that word. Why? Well, the Holy Spirit is reminding me. So when Jesus says that, I'll remind you, the, the the root word of that is the word residue. It's where we get the word residue. So this is my coffee cup that I drank out of this morning. And so if you look in there, there's a residue. You'll know that I was drinking coffee. How will you know? Well, it smells like coffee. There's a little ring down there at the bottom. That's the residue. So when Jesus makes this statement... He says, he will remind you, he is the residue. The Holy Spirit is the residue. That's why when we're reading this, when we're not even reading the scriptures, we're going through life, we're reminded of a scripture. Do you think you've got that good of a memory? Or do you think it might be the shepherd of your inner man reminding you, hey, look at Jesus. Remember what Jesus says about you. Remember who Jesus is. I I know that they said that and they try to put you into shame, but remember what I said to you. I said, go and sin no more. I said, your sins are forgiven. I said, you are free. I said, you're above and not beneath. I said, you have victory. Do you, will you remember that? Those are the things that we need to hold on to, the residue. And Jesus said, I'll remind you. And this is one of the ways he leads us. He reminds us of the scriptures. He reminds us of a moment. Man, I can't tell you how many times I've had a moment with the Lord and the Lord speaks to me and then I'm going through and they become a staple. And it's like, now I have a reference point every time something similar comes along when I'm counseling people. I don't really have anything planned. It's just, boom, there it is. Hey, I remember What is that? It's just the residue of what the Lord spoke before. And what he does is he's just pointing to the map. Right? He's going, look, what does the map say? He's walking with us along the path, and he's going, what does the map say? Josh, what does the map? Oh, yeah, the map. The map. Yeah, Lord, that, yeah. I'm listening to you. The next thing he does is he comforts us along the way. Comforting along the way. This is what he provides. Right? He guides, activates the word through subtle leadership, and then he brings comforting along the way. See, the Holy Spirit doesn't always lead us into what's easy. Jesus was led by the Spirit to the desert to be tempted by the devil. (laughs) Great. When when you sang that song, Spirit, lead me, or my trust is without board, that's not not a, a fun place always. It's not always an enjoyable place where the Holy Spirit will lead you. He will lead you through difficulty, listen, to bring order. He doesn't always lead us to what what is easy or what is comfortable. He makes it possible. He makes it possible and he comforts us in the midst of us. He comforts us in the midst of our discomfort. Listen, if, if you were called to do everything that was comfortable, then why would you need the comforter? No, you need the comforter because life is uncomfortable. Listen, there's a, and I, I'm not pointing at anybody today, but there is this kind of almost glamorizing of anxiety today. 
We have victimized ourselves to, to what we label as anxiety. Most of what people are experiencing is not anxiety. It's just life. But we want to make an excuse based on our performance for it and call it anxiety, call it something specific. And Jesus is like, I've got the antidote for that. Cast your cares, the things that you care about, on me because I care for you. And I will send a guide alongside of you to help you navigate through it. Life is hard. Once you realize life is very difficult and very hard and it's always going to be stacked up against you, once you get that, then you can trust the comfort to lead you through it. But until you think it's just going to be peaches and rainbows all the time, just be prepared to be stressed out and bothered and troubled. Because listen, life is no joke. It's difficult. But God is undefeated. And you can go through this. And you can posture up in him. Not because you've got it all together, you've read 15 books, or even because you have so much scripture memorized, but because you have the Holy Spirit, the guide to lead you through these troubled waters. You can get through this, not because you're awesome, but because he is. Because you can't handle it. And I can't either. But he can. I'm not preaching today. So he says this, I pray the Father, and he will give you another helper. They're like, Lord, don't go away. No. He's like, it's okay. I'm going I'm, I'm to be better than me with you. I'm going to be inside of you. And he will give you another helper that he will abide with you forever. Yes. Listen, we will have the Holy Spirit forever. <laughs> the Holy Spirit will be bearing witness with our spirit forever. That's why when, we're, when, we're, when we read about Revelation, we don't see God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We don't see a dove there or a fire or whatever you want to call it. Why? Because the Holy Spirit's in us. Woo! Hmm. He will give you another helper. That word is parakletos. Not to be confused with parakletos. That's my little joke. You can you can give me a sympathy laugh. Not to be not to be confused with par, Paraclete. Parakitos. Yeah, Paracletos. Not Ketos. Not Keto. All right. I don't know where we're going. Paracletos. Listen, that that word is advocate. Like if you went to court and you needed to have an advocate, you needed to have someone to stand alongside of you, a counselor. The other word is 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 Counselor, another word is comforter, another word is helper. He is your God. And what we've done, this is what we do oftentimes as Christians. Well, I just don't feel a peace about that. <laughs> Other words, I'm not going to do anything risky. I'm not going to do anything that will cost me faith. I'm just going to do what's safe. I don't feel a peace. Do you think the disciples felt at peace? When they were being martyred, <laughs> do you think that anybody that's ever did anything great for God felt a peace about it? No. But they had peace in it. We don't follow peace. Peace follows us. Goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. Listen, peace follows you. This is why you can go into a room where there is ruckus and chaos and confusion. You can step in and now there's order. Is it because you have so much authority? Inside of you, you do. Your flesh has none, but he has all of it. 
The one who has all the authority dwells in you. That's what Jesus said. He will give you a helper that he may abide with you forever. Mino, remain, stay. He will make his dwelling inside of you forever. I'm leaving you with a gift. John 14, 27, a piece of mind and heart. And the peace I give you, the world can't give you. Listen, beloved, we as the church must stop looking to the world for our peace. We've got to stop looking for our institutions, from our government, even from maybe even our churches, and start relying on the Holy Spirit for our peace. He says that the world can't give you peace. All these people talking about peace, that is not the kind of peace. Listen, God is talking about eternal peace that won't get you through the day. It'll get you through forever. Eternal peace. The world can't give it. You're not going to find it in medication. You're not going to find it in education. You won't find it there. You'll only find it in him. He says, so don't be troubled or afraid because I've got the solution. I love it how Jesus makes everything so simple. I'm here, education. (laughs) Study me. Education's awesome, by the way. Number four. Developing endurance. Another way he leads is by developing endurance. Through difficulty, we are growing in our understanding of God through spirit of wisdom and revelation who provides peace in the midst of it, a purpose in spite of it, and a path through it. Listen, he provides a path through the difficulty. Not around the difficulty, but through it. Zechariah 4, 6, not by might, nor by power, not by force, not, by, not, not through manipulation, but by my spirit, says the Lord. It's through his spirit. Listen, if you want to ever accomplish anything for the kingdom of God, if you ever want to have dominion in this life, listen, you've got to do it through his spirit. It's not by might. It's not through power. It's not through popularity. It's not through programming. through his spirit. His spirit. Remember when Jesus was tempted to quit? I'm not, I'm not talking about his 40 days in the wilderness. Remember before the cross? And what does he say? My spirit is willing, but my flesh is weak. I may feel like quitting, but I can't because I have an unquittable spirit inside of me. Listen, the same spirit that was in Jesus, that Holy Spirit that he was talking about, is inside of you. The same spirit that rose him from the dead is inside of you. You have endurance. You can get through this difficulty. You can endure. You'll be tempted to quit. You'll be tempted to give in to sin. And at times you will. But you don't have to. Let the Holy Spirit, Galatians 5, 16, let the Holy Spirit guide What if you had a guide? Guide your lives and you won't be doing what the sinful nature desires. And number five, the fifth way that the Holy Spirit guides us is that he gives us a compass. A compass. The way a compass works is it uses the magnetic poles of the earth, science, 
I can't explain it all. I don't know. But it has something to do with that. But a compass will always tell you what true north is. If you're ever lost, you need to pull out a compass. Right? You probably have one on your phone. That's probably not a real compass. You might need to get an analog, right? This compass will always tell me. So when I start going to the east, it's still pointing north. So the Holy Spirit gives us this compass. And in this adventure, we're going to always need that compass. And you know what the compass he gives us is? The Holy Spirit gives us is? The church. The compass of community. The compass of community. This is why it's so important for you to do life with other believers. Because they have the Holy Spirit also. And sometimes it's hard for you to see what the Holy Spirit is saying because your perspective is so messed up because of what you're going through. But you should have somebody with you. You're not alone on this journey. You have someone with you that they also have the Holy Spirit. And so they are like a compass to say, this is what north is. And beloved, we, listen, we've got to develop a relationship with the body of Christ to where we know where truth north, true north is. And you know what I've noticed for people that disconnect themselves from the body of Christ? Oh, deconstructed which means I quit going to church. And then maybe I deconverted, which means I quit following Jesus. You know what I found that people that do that? You know what I found? They don't know where North is anymore. They get lost. They get confused. They may have the Holy Spirit in them. God might be doing a few things in their life, but they just, they can't find their way. They need the compass that the Holy Spirit gives us of community. And we need, listen, we need constant access. Listen to me. We need constant access of a consistent, a consistent sense of direction. And this is one of the things that the church does. We have the word of God, which we talked a lot about. We have the spirit of God. And we also have the family of God. And if this feels like two messages, it's because it is. Because I don't have enough time to go through all this content. Hebrews 10, I'm going to run through this. Chapter 22, let us, he's not talking about salad. <laughs> Y'all are a tough crowd today. Let us, watch his language. Let us draw near to God with a sincere heart. Lord, I'm drawing near. No, let us. You see how this is a corporate language. Let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and full assurance of faith having a heart sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold swervingly to the hope we profess for he who promised is faithful and let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Let us, not giving up, meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. The compass of community. What does it provide? Real quick, I'm going to go through this. Number one, steady direction. Steady direction. One of the things that being in church does is it keeps us balanced and pointed in the right direction. I have a, a friend, Brad, in, in Arlington who runs a house of prayer. And he said, listen, we have an awesome house of prayer, but people show up and they pray. He said, so we had to start a church. He said, because people were getting weird. Because all they had 
was they just went in and they prayed and they prayed and they prayed and they prayed and they never had community. And he said, like, they didn't have a good, solid sense of direction. They can't connect with anybody. They can't win the world because they didn't have any community. So they started a church. So the people that were praying, which is a good thing, that's all they were doing. He said they needed to have community. Because community keeps us pointed in the right direction. Listen, being welcomed, and then he makes that, doesn't he make that, that, that statement at the end, even more as you see the day approaching? In other words, it's going to get hard. Listen, being well-connected with a community of believers gives us consist, a consistent sense of directions. This is why he says, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. Hold tight. We believe together. This is why doctrine, a corporate doctrine in a body is important. We hold these things tight. We, we, we don't like perfectly agree with everything, but for the most part, we do. And, and the things that we hold tight on, we hold tight on. If we disagree on something, it's minor stuff, right? And we hold on tight to those things corporately. Why? Because we're unified around the gospel. This is why the scriptures are so important. Scripture was written to be experienced in a community. People would come together to go through the scriptures together. God created this. Did you know that you can't be a biblical follower of Jesus and not be involved in community? It's impossible because the people in the Bible follow Jesus together. That's why we say family, follow Jesus together. Why? Because you can't follow Jesus alone. It's impossible. God didn't design you to do it. And nobody in the New Testament did it. Everybody did it together. When we move into God's calling, we're going to need support. Ecclesiastes 9 says this when we're talking about stability. Two people are better off than one, for they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other can reach up and help. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. In real trouble. Uh, our, uh, our pastor that we served under in Amarillo for a couple of years, Richie Brown, used to always say this. If we don't take time to build community when we don't need it, we won't have it when we do. I don't really need other people. It's just me and Jesus. We're okay. I've done pretty good. What happens when you're not? If you've dreaded is the man who falls and doesn't have a friend to help him up. And listen, you're going to fall. You're going to stumble. Do you have a community? Do you have a support group around you? Man, I'll, I'll, I'll watch it on the weekly, man. I watch community. I, I'm so proud of our church. I'm so proud of you and how you guys do this. I'm like, oh, that happened and they took care of it and I didn't even know about it. I'm like, oh, but. Thank you, Lord. Yeah, if you fall on your bike when you're by yourself. Yeah. I don't know, babe. Maybe you should. You want to come? You want to come share that? Yeah, come on. So when we lived in um, Amarillo, Pastor Josh had a group of guys that they, what was it called? Charge the Hill. And they would go ride bikes in Palo Dura Canyon. It was really cool. And so when we moved here, he was still doing some mountain bike riding a little bit, but he was totally by himself. He didn't have anybody to ride with. And so one day he came back like way later than normal. And I wasn't, I was kind of not knowing what's going on. And he fell like a four foot drop off of a trail. And he said for a minute, he was like, is this it? Is this, am I dying? (laughs) Is this how I'm going to go? You know, waiting for the helicopters to come overhead. But he didn't have anybody to ride with and nobody knew that he fell and it took him a long time to get up out of that and come home and come find me and he was like you know what I can't ride by myself anymore because it's not safe and that's exactly what this is when you fall alone there's nobody to help you up so it's good babe see that see what happens when the Holy Ghost works all right the second way he does it is motivation through motivation 
In the new NLT, it uses the word spur right there, right? In, in the NIV, but in the NLT, it says, let us think of ways to motivate one another. Motivation. Motivation. Steady direction. Motivation. Back to that word, spur. What do you do with a horse if he's not moving? You spur. Do you think it's comfortable? Sometimes we have to spur one another on. It might not be a, a Hobby Lobby poster that you send them in the mail. Sometimes it might be like, listen, brother, you got you to gotta, you gotta stop that. I'm going to call you next week, and I'm, I'm going to ask you if, you're, if you stop that. And people are like, well, I don't like that. That's unhealthy. That's completely healthy. What we call abuse is oftentimes just accountability. People don't want to be accountable. And the reason why you don't like accountability is because you haven't been involved in a community that you know that loves you enough so that they can speak into your life. Because, account, listen, accountability without really, and the other problem that we have is we have people that think that they're the police and they're kind of walking around trying to hold everybody accountable. Accountability without relationship does not work. It just don't work. <laughs> Go to Bible college, you'll realize that. Yeah, all these, all these officers around, they're like, Hey, how's your mom? By the way, <laughs> you don't have a relationship with me. You can't speak into my life. Listen, I've just found that I just don't speak into people's life unless they come to me or unless I'm close to them because it just doesn't do any good. Sometimes people are close to me and they don't do what I say. So that's, a, that's, that's even more frustrating. All right. Or they ask for advice and they don't do what you say. Or they never ask, ask for advice because they're prideful. That's frustrating. You need that community. Proverbs 27, 17 is iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. A friend sharpens a friend. It's not just some stranger, right? It's not someone who doesn't know you. We need to learn and welcome the sharpening. Sharpening is uncomfortable, but necessary. If you want to be sharp, you got to get around somebody that's going to sharpen you. Not just someone that's going to make you feel good. I just feel so encouraged when I'm around you. I just feel so encouraged around. Sometimes you're not going to feel encouraged. Sometimes you're going to be spurred. I'm moving. Number three is inspiration. Let us not, giving, let us not give up meeting together as some of the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another. Listen, our endurance at the end of the age our endurance through this world that we're living in, with all the culture wars, with all the drama, our endurance in this will be dependent upon our ability to live well-connected with the community of faith. And this is what I'm finding. I'm finding a lot of people are disassociating themselves from the church thinking that is the solution. That is the problem not the solution. If you want to see the church do better, then do better. Because beloved, you are the church. And it's time we start taking responsibility. We have an attack on the church today. And a lot of the attack is coming from within. Listen, you know who talks bad about church? The world a little bit? The church. We need to start speaking well. Let me read this because I want to stay on track. As the body of Christ... We are, and, and, and sometimes this is done from within. We are being labeled as bigots, intolerant, and unloving. At times, those claims may be true. Unfortunately, the loudest 
And those that have inflicted pain get the most intention. But what I've found is that it's inaccurate for the majority of the body of Christ. The majority of Christians that I met, that I know that I'm in a relationship, aren't abusive, aren't mean, aren't bigots. Not the majority. There's been a few. See, we believe in the family of God. We believe in the church. And yes, we believe in the church in the West. Over the centuries, the church has led the way of establishing hospitals, orphanages, humanitarian organizations, and some of the finest educational institutions. But I want to remind you that it was Christ followers who paved the way to abolish slavery in America. It has been the church praying and responding first to the crisis of the hurting. Christians have the big, been the biggest proponents of answering the cries of poverty, supporting widows, crisis pregnancies, and orphans. It's been the church that has been the greatest beacon of light in this broken and dark world. It has been the church, the salt of the earth, that has preserved morality in a crumbling and lost immoral culture. She is not perfect, yet she is perfectly loved. And we are committed to loving what he loves. I'm sticking with the church. I'm standing with the family of God. It's his idea. She is his bride. She is the temple of his Holy Spirit. And we are here till he returns. So we will prioritize the family of God. You read through the scriptures. They devoted themselves. I'm going to highlight these. We're done. They devoted themselves to the apostles and to their teaching of breaking bread together. Galatians 6, whenever we have the opportunity to do good, we should do it to everyone, especially those in the family of faith. By this, and people use this scripture all the time. They say this, by this all men, and we know my disciples, if you love one another. Who is he talking to? His disciples. He's not saying how well you love the world. Listen, we are salt, we are light, we are preservers of the culture, but primarily, we're here to take care of one another. Beloved, we've got to stop stabbing one another in the back and realizing God gave us this glorious gift called the church. The church isn't the problem. The church is God's plan. And we've got to realize that God has given us this glorious compass to help us navigate. Beloved, let's be pro-church. I'm just going to be pro-Jesus. Jesus is pro-church. He gave himself for her. Ephesians chapter 5. He gave himself for her. Not because she was perfect, but because she needed forgiveness. And you need forgiveness, and I need forgiveness. We are the family of God. Thank you so much for joining us at church today. Please subscribe to this channel and hit the bell for future notifications. We pray that you have a blessed week, and we can't wait to encounter Jesus with you online.